This week's Life Note, my number one go-to holiday film, and it might be one that either surprises you, you've never heard of, or both. Welcome to Life Notes from Chair 17, a podcast dedicated to sharing life stories, wisdoms, and inspirations as we navigate life's journey. Host C.H. aims to share thoughtful perspectives and insights from her own life journey, as well as those of special guests and contributors. Tune in for thoughtful conversations about lessons learned, wisdoms gained, experiences had, and inspirations shared. Find us where you get your podcasts and be sure to hit follow or subscribe so you never miss an episode. Now, enjoy this week's episode. Alrighty. Welcome back in, friends, to another episode of Life Notes from Chair 17. I'm your host, C.H. Thank you, as always, once again, for finding me in this corner of the podcast universe. A warm welcome to new listeners. Thank you for finding us. Hope you enjoy what you hear and will want to stick around. And as always, a sincere thank you to all of our returning listeners As we always remind you, if you haven't subscribed, we'd love it if you did so. We're on all major podcast platforms, or you can tune in and listen via our website, lifenotesfromchair17podcast.com. We post episodes, new episodes, every Friday. And this episode happens to be number 10, so this is kind of a, it's a milestone uh, episode number according to the podcast host. Like, hey, congrats, you've posted 10 episodes. Okay, cool, thanks. <laughs> but as always, thank you for listening and for helping us build our C17 community. And as I like to say, this is the little podcast that could. Um So for this episode, I did want to do a little bit of a lighthearted episode, particularly coming off of the previous episode, which was uh, very heavy and emotional. If you did listen to that one, thank you very much. Um, But this one is meant to uh, be much more lighthearted, particularly as we go into the heart of the holiday season for 2023. I thought I would talk about one of my favorite holiday go-to films, and it is one perhaps that no one (laughs) thinks of when they think of holiday films that make various countdown lists and such. Um, You know, I think they're always the ones that are traditionally referred to as classics. You know, Miracle on 34th Street, It's a Wonderful Life, A White Christmas, those kind of films. There are, I joke, about 14,000 versions of A Christmas Carol, I will say, though, I do actually like the Disney animated version with Jim Carrey. It is the runner-up as my go-to for the holiday season. If you haven't seen it, I do recommend that. Uh, And then, of course, you know, more, I guess you could call them modern classics. So I'm thinking, you know, something like National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation or How the Grinch Stole Christmas or Elf or Love Actually or all the Santa Claus films with Tim Allen. This is not meant to be an extensive list. There are many out there um, that I have not mentioned. There are many still actually on my playlist too. 
um, that I'll probably save for discussion in future holiday seasons. Um, I really love this Christmas uh, with Idris Elba and uh, Regina King and Delroy Lindo. Um, I just there are there are plenty out there. Um, uh, these are just kind of the ones that we always see on everybody's playlists uh, or on you know the algorithm of Netflix or Amazon Prime or whatever. Uh, I don't know that you see this one though. Uh, and for me, it is Christmas with the Cranks, and it stars Tim Allen, obviously, does holiday films pretty well, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, who I'm a fan of since the Halloween days, and Dan Aykroyd, always a fan, among others in the film. Uh, those are sort of the headliners. And I will say that I did not think when I first saw this film, when it came out in the early 2000s, it would ultimately end up being my go to my personal holiday classic. I didn't see it in the theaters. I had a premium cable subscription, I think, at the time. And it rolled around as one of their, you know, hey, coming soon. And I decided to watch it. And I do remember I loved it when I watched it. I thought, okay, I can get into this. Why? Uh, as I talked about in my soloing the holidays episode, this idea of coming up with new holiday traditions or making your own holiday traditions, in this film, it centers around the idea of the Cranks, the family of the Cranks, skipping out on this massively celebrated holiday known as Christmas. And all of the peer pressure associated with doing that, particularly in the setting where this film takes place, which is a neighborhood that looks like something out of a holiday Hallmark film. And open question to anyone out there if you grew up in that kind of neighborhood. And I'm not talking about your just your street or your block. I'm talking about your entire development. So blocks and blocks and blocks of homes that are so decorated and in so much unison that they could basically probably be their own like ride or land inside of Disneyland. Um, I grew up in a, in, a, in a neighborhood that did decorate, but we didn't decorate to this degree as it pertains to the film. And if you did grow up in that kind of neighborhood or you're in one of those neighborhoods now, one of those neighborhoods now, I and probably others have come to your neighborhood to see your decorations. That is where the cranks live. And so you can start to guess what might happen if suddenly there's one house on the block that's dark for the holidays, right? That is just not celebrating sending it to somebody else to deal with, not going to be us, we're going to skip out. Um, the cast, I feel, is really good. So Jamie Lee Curtis and Tim Allen have really good chemistry as Nora and Luther Crank, respectively, so wife-husband. Dan Aykroyd, of course, is always entertaining, and he is particularly... I think he's both funny and cute in this film. He is, and I quote... Nora Crank, so Curtis's character, the unelected ward boss of the street, 
So he lives and breathes not only for the neighborhood, as Nora says, but also in the holiday spirit of the neighborhood. Uh, so he's like the warden, you could say, but he's in a friendly way, but like don't want to mess with him either kind of way. Um, and this is definitely a film now that's part of those holiday traditions I built for myself, right? So I did actually... <laughs> one year true fact my nerdery is going to reveal itself right now i thought well what if i watched it every day from thanksgiving to christmas <laughs> yes really go ahead laugh it's funny uh i didn't technically sit down and watch it like for the hour and a half every single day but i did have it playing at least once during the day at some point so it could be in the background while i was doing stuff or it was just on or whatever Again, my nerdery knows no bounds. Um, so, uh, spoiler warning, I'm going to talk a little bit about the film. If you're okay with spoilers, great. If you are maybe curious about this film now, but you don't want to have it be with spoilers, probably a good idea to pause this episode and come back. Um, but if you're okay, please feel free to listen in. So, essentially the idea, they decide they want to skip Christmas. Why? Because their daughter is gone. Uh, she has taken a Peace Corps assignment in Peru. She leaves a few days after Thanksgiving, and it'll be the first time she's not home for Christmas in 23 years. And the Cranks, particularly Nora, have previously been sort of the all-in family for Christmas. They throw a annual Christmas Eve holiday party that is like the party of parties. Uh, Nora is big on decorations. I think Luther is too. It does kind of alluded to in the film. She's all about the Christmas cards and volunteering and all of this kind of thing. But without Blair this year, uh, it's feeling pretty empty. Sort of what is the point? And I would say that that affects Nora more than it affects Luther. Luther is, he's affected, but he's, a, I would say, probably a little more indifferent about it. And he decides to come up with an idea to do something different. And he, I think he's like an accountant, so he runs some numbers and realizes that they could save some money and spend it on themselves for a change if they decide to skip out and go on a cruise to the Bahamas. But the catch is it does have to be a full boycott. So no decorating, no Christmas cards, no caroling, no tree trimming, no party, nothing. And to say that they take flack from everyone in the neighborhood or they who are their friends or their co-workers particularly for Luther that's an understatement and that is definitely true coming from the Dan Aykroyd character of Vic Frommeyer there are various adventures that happen as they're trying to get to December 25th because that is the day that the cruise leaves um, Nora who's a stay-at-home mom and wife you know she's somewhat harassed during the day by some of the neighbors and the kids to try to get her to decorate uh you know they kind of get caught out trying to get sort of a pre-tan tan for the cruise by some of the folks at the mall and they're just trying to you know pretend that everything's fine and it's great but we're just not celebrating this year um it's 
essentially massive guilt trips that start to come their way, particularly as it gets closer and closer to the holidays and particularly as they just dig their heels in and they are not celebrating. They are that dark house on the street of streets that looks like could be Disneyland's Main Street Electrical Parade. But as always, there's a twist in the film, and Blair calls them and says, guess what, I'm coming home for Christmas, and particularly coming in on Christmas Eve. And she is coming back with the idea that they have gone ahead and continued to celebrate the holidays. So the house is decorated, the party's happening, all that kind of stuff. And when she does call to tell them that she's coming, instead of telling her the truth and saying, you know what, we actually didn't decorate this year and we're going on a cruise, but you're welcome to stay. Uh, Being parents, and particularly Nora, being mama bear, she says, of course we're having the party. When do you get in? We'll see you when you get here. And... Thus begins the timer of basically having about eight hours to pull off a miracle uh, Christmas party and decorating the house and all things that would have been going on over the last 20, 25 days, starting from zero, maybe even negative 10 on the scale, as they try to not disappoint their daughter who is deciding to fly all the way back from Peru. Now, I don't know about you, but if you have ever tried to run around on Christmas Eve at the last minute, that is a Herculean feat. It is exhausting, and it can drive you bonkers. Nora valiantly tries to do this. Luther doesn't necessarily think it's really going to happen, and he's fairly nonchalant about it, thinking Nora's kind of crazy trying to run around and get wine and get food and all this sort of thing. And it isn't until... He's sort of forced into putting up uh, this symbolic decoration that every house on the block is supposed to have. It's a giant snowman that goes on the roof. An accident ensues. The neighborhood then gathers to try to understand, hey, man, what is going on? Because you've basically been the Grinch for most of the holidays. Now you're suddenly seemingly like you're trying to decorate and get the house ready. So he and Nora both explain that Blair is coming home. And Vic from our Dan Aykroyd's character is there and he picks up on the sense of she's expecting this, right? And you guys are caught out not not doing it. And in this moment, despite the way in which Luther has been carrying on for the holidays, and it's really been more him being very anti-holiday, whereas Nora's just having to go along with it. The community and the neighborhood comes together to make it happened for Blair, who is the quintessential neighborhood babysitter, big sister, friend, favorite daughter, fill in the blank. And they rally on behalf of her. Uh, They start to bring their foods over, decorations start to pitch in. Obviously, the Dan Aykroyd character, Vic, is really driving this. And it all comes together right before Blair arrives. And she's none the wiser of this was eight hours ago, a a dark house with no decorations, no food, no party happening. And it's a very loving moment where it's as if, you know, no time had elapsed and they didn't just go through this chaos over the last eight hours. But Luther remains 
somewhat been out of shape, that there's not going to be a cruise. And even after the party has started, Blair's there, everything's rolling along, and the neighborhood has pulled together to make this happen for him, he still is kind of disgruntled. And he doesn't really come around until he sees the family that lives across the street from them who are having their own private uh, Christmas dinner. It's an older couple, a husband and a wife. And through the window, uh, he sees them kind of alone. They, uh, She has been recently diagnosed with cancer. They know this, meaning the cranks and the rest of the neighborhood. They can't come over because it has started snowing. So he makes the trek over there. It's a little awkward at first, but he ultimately decides to give the cruise away to them. And knowing potentially this might be that neighbor's last holiday, Luther Crank, after 25 days or 24 days of being really anti-holiday, finally gets into the holiday spirit, does a selfless thing very much like what the community just did for him, and cut print, happy ending as always, and... There you have it. So I know that probably sounds corny. To be honest, I don't know that holiday films are supposed to not have a happy ending. (laughs) I think that probably defeats the purpose of holiday films, but that's my opinion. I like this film because there's just something super simple about this premise that I can relate to as somebody who has had to come up with her own holiday traditions of an infrastructure that was there that went away and that it's okay in maybe not doing the traditional thing. If that's your jam, if your jam is to do the holiday thing and to be all in on everything, that's also okay, right? I feel as if the the film showcases both angles of that maybe doesn't emphasize the non-traditional in such a positive light, but that there are two versions of it. And I also like in that view, when you see the busyness and the chaos of the holidays where everyone is trying to make everything everywhere happen all at once and You're not in that chaos. When you pull back and you look at that lens, it's a very interesting lens to see how much the holidays do spin us in a lot of different ways and how you can (laughs) suddenly find yourself being in a quiet space, trying to fill the space when you're not participating in all the traditional stuff. And it goes both ways, right? It can help you build your own traditions or, in this case, their first time feeling like the holidays really aren't the holidays, it's a little empty. And how do you manage that? And so for me, it it hits home in a lot of different ways based off of my own journey of how I have come, how I experienced holidays as a younger person, how I experience them now. And if you happen to have always been someone who has never had any chaos in your life around the holidays, I would love to know what your secret is. Because most folks that I can say I would call friends and and close confidants, there's always sort of, well, we're going to do this, but I'm not sure about this. And I think there's this, but we have some drama there. So I'm not really sure how we're going to do this, right? There's this spin that happens and it's not always perfect. 
So if you have had perfect and you've never had any drama, I would love to know how you've had that all these years. And share your secrets because a lot of us have spun in the holiday chaos for a long period of time. And sometimes, every once in a while, it's nice not to spin in that. Or it's nice to be buoyed by other folks who help alleviate that spin, depending on how you celebrate and who you celebrate with. So I feel like there's lots of different themes in this film that I can see and I can relate to on a personal level, based off of kind of where I'm at in my own life journey. Um, and just for me, too, in the time that we live in where it sometimes feels like neighborhood or community, we're so digitally connected, we're not physically connected all the time anymore, or we're moving into more digital and hybrid connection. This is not that. This predates the Nextdoor app. People didn't have an app to check in who's what's going on. They went next door to ask what was going on. And there's something to be said about that in time and the contrast in the time that we live in today. So again, there's just a selflessness, I think, at the end where everyone comes together. Blair doesn't really pay the price for her father's kind of silly idea. There's a rally around just embracing the holidays together and bringing a smile to people's faces. And you can't really argue with that. Or that should make you feel good if you're watching it. It always does for me. I will say, do I really I realistically think in eight to nine hours this could happen? A house, no lights, no tree, no nothing? Uh, probably not. But this is a movie. Do I really think that everyone in the neighborhood would give up their own Christmas Eve plans to help out a single family and particularly the patriarch of that family has been acting kind of like a jerk for most of the holidays. Perhaps there is still that notion of kindness of strangers, uh, which I do think is important, and so maybe they would have. Uh, but do I really think that Blair could fly from the middle of the rainforest in Peru on Christmas Eve through Miami, through Atlanta, to the Midwest, of the U.S. in a snowstorm and get in an hour early so she could be perfectly on time for the Christmas Eve party with no travel delays or challenges. No. <laughs> no way. But again, this is a movie, and it is a fun-loving story, and it is a no-brainer to watch. Fun fact, it is actually based on a book called Skipping Christmas that was written by none other than John Grisham, who some of you will know uh, wrote The Firm and is known for writing suspense, legal, intense thrillers. So quite a departure, but a good writer is a good writer, no matter the genre, kind of like when Stephen King, who is known as the king of horror, gave us The Shawshank Redemption and The Green Mile. The film, if you're going to go look on it on Rotten Tomatoes, I can't tell you what the rating is. And to be honest, I don't really care. <laughs> we don't care on this podcast. It's our favorite. It ticks some of the essential feel-good boxes for what I think of when I think of holiday films, humor, sentimentality, coming together, a life lesson learned, 
celebration, and it's just fun. And I probably would love to imagine myself on that street, joining in on the Christmas Eve party, having Christmas with the cranks, or a crank in Christmas. Either way, it would be fun. So, there you have it. A potential new holiday film if you have never heard of it before and it sounds like you might want to check it out, get added to your playlist. If you have watched it and you are nodding along because you like it, great. If you do watch it and you end up not liking it, totally fine. That's what the holidays are. Your own traditions and what inspires you and brings love and light into your life. That's what's important. And with that, I will ask you, as always, to be kind to yourself. Take it one hour at a time, one day at a time. And I will see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Life Notes from Chair 17. Remember to follow and subscribe so you never miss an episode. We'll see you next time.